Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's the triumphant return of Talking Talk. Yes, that's right. After pretty much a year-long hiatus, the Talking Talk podcast is now back, and this is going to be a very heavily uh, TV-focused show. So we're going to talk about the ending of She-Hulk and the ending of Rings of Power. Let's get ready to talk. It's Talking Talk coming at you right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back again to the Talking Talk podcast, where every week we're going to talk about a news topic here and there, but also focus on some of the streaming stuff that's happening during the week. There's been so much shows streaming right now that it's so hard to catch up on. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't had a chance to really talk about them on this channel. But now bringing this Talking Talk podcast program back, I figured it'll give me a better chance every week to at least talk about some of these shows, especially now that we got two that just concluded, um, basically She-Hulk season one and Rings of Power season one as well. So we're gonna be, I'm gonna be talking about that, recapping my thoughts and feelings about both shows. Um, And we will talk about one particular topic uh, from the news that happened this past week. not want to go too much into a lot of other news topics because there's a lot of uh, TV stuff to talk about. But what you can expect every week on this program is that, like I said, I will be talking about one or two news topics that happened in the past week. And we'll be I'll be reviewing basically any uh, streaming show that's been happening that is pre- you know pretty much big in pop culture. So right now, now that Rings of Power has concluded, She-Hulk has concluded... We still have Andor and House of the Dragon going on right now. Um, So you'll be hearing me talk about those shows as they continue to play week to week and conclude. Uh, House of the Dragon will be concluding after this upcoming week. So it'll be really, really uh, fun to talk about that finally with all of you. But before I go into any of that stuff, let me know in the comments, which of these shows have you really been enjoying? Now, I know... Viewership numbers for House of the Dragon has been through the roof. I believe clocking in around 29 to 30 million viewers per week per episode. That's pretty insane. Um, But I also do know She-Hulk was very good as far as ratings are concerned. So a lot of you were enjoying She-Hulk. So let me know which show of the four, Andor, She-Hulk, Rings of Power, House of the Dragon, have you been enjoying and why? Uh, Let us have a conversation about that. Also, I'm putting this out there now, and I'll remind um, subscribers to the channel every week. Throw in some questions or some news topics that you would like for me to cover every week. Um, This is not one of those uh, podcasts that's going to be so up-to-date every week once something drops, but I do like to talk about specific news topics because it, you know, how it relates and how it affects pop culture and stuff like that. So, If there is a specific topic you want me to cover and talk about every week, 
let me know in the comments of this video. Let me know when I post the little community post there on the YouTube channel. I think in the future, I will create an email address where you guys can um, send me an email uh, with some questions and some topics for me to cover week to week so that we can, you know, have this show more custom and catered, tailor-made for all of you watching. So something that will be fun to engage with and have the community build around. Right now, this is only going to be once a week. But if, you know, popularity or things uh, improve or increase and things like that, we may, you know, I may add another show every week for this. And maybe from time to time, I'll go live. So let me know what you like uh, for me to talk about and what kind of, if you would love to see me go live, let me know that as well. It'll be a lot of fun to talk about that. So, um, and again, if you're brand new to this channel and you haven't come across me before, welcome. I am Renee. I am the Loki Geek here. Um, on this channel, we do movie reviews, TV reviews, pop culture news, all that kind of stuff like that. Um, I cover events. Uh, recently, I just uh, went to New York Film Festival, and I have uh, some videos already up on the channel there and some other reviews coming up for some movies that I've seen during that time there. If you like what you see and you want to help support the channel and grow the community, that doesn't cost you a thing. All you have to do is hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you get notified every time a new video is uploaded. If you would prefer an audio version of this program, type in Loki Geek on your podcast platform of choice and you will find the channel there where you can download this episode and many others. And for those of you who may be listening on audio format, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave a nice rating if it ever prompts you to. So all that stuff out of the way. Whew, that was a lot of stuff. And I'll be sure not to say so much of these things every week. Um... Let's talk about the one news topic that I wanted to cover this week, and that is the death once again of G4. Uh, G4 TV was resurrected about a year ago, um, roughly about a year ago. Um, Comcast just announced on October 16th, two days ago, that they're pulling the plug on G4 TV, ending the comeback try for the Gamer Forecast Network. Now, uh, there is a quote here from G4's president. Uh, let's see here. And, you know, those of you who are familiar with the happenings of this channel, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. But basically, um, here is the memo that was sent out internally. A team, as you know, G4 was reintroduced last year to tap into the popularity of gaming. We invested to uh, to create the new G4 as an online and TV destination for fans to be entertained, be inspired, and connect with gaming content. Over the past several months, we worked hard to generate that interest in G4, but viewership is low and the network has not achieved sustainable financial results. This is certainly not what we hoped for, and as a result, we have made the very difficult decision to discontinue G4's operations effective immediately. I know this is disappointing news and I'm disappointed too. I want to thank you and everyone on the G4 team for our hard work and commitment to the network. Our human resources team is reaching out to you to provide you with the support, discuss other opportunities that may be available and answer any questions you may have. Thank you again for all your hard work for G4. Sincerely, Dave Scott, Chairman, CEO, Comcast Spectacore. Uh, 
So, I'll be honest with you, not surprised that this happened. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it by saying this. When the news during the pandemic came out that G4 was looking to make a comeback, I believe this was around sometime around 2020, I, of course, was elated. I was excited. Why? Because G4 meant a lot to me uh, in my younger years. You know, it was one of the only geek video game centric uh, outlets that allowed me to have my fix on a daily basis. Uh, of course, that was during the, the height of cable TV and it had its own uh, cable channel, which was formerly tech TV. And then they kind of did a merge and turned it into G4. But they had great programs like X-Play, where they talked about video games, did reviews, all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, Attack of the Show was, was more like a variety program. But the great thing about it is that it really catered to the geeks, to that uh, video game industry on a regular basis where you could like tune in 24-7 anytime and catch one of these shows and programs. And it was a lot of fun. And of course, this was, of course, during the time when the internet was still not at the peak popularity and YouTube was maybe just a twinkle in someone's eye. Many, many, many years later now, they tried to make a comeback. And I, too, was excited and elated, like I mentioned before, because it just reminded me of how much I love the original program. They did a reunion special on YouTube. And of course, it made me even more excited. Why? Because you had all the original crew there. You know, you had Adam Sessler, Morgan Webb, Olivia Munn, you know, and that's just naming a few. And some new people they were introducing to the mix and all that stuff like that. This preceding the announcement that they were coming back made one believe that all of these people that we grew up watching were going to come back as well. And what happened? We didn't really necessarily get that. Yeah, Adam came back, then left, then came back again, kind of in a way. Kevin came back. But then that was it. No Morgan Webb, no Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn was actually pregnant and then gave birth to her child. But it was not the resurrection that I personally was hoping. Instead, and it makes sense with this current environment now of YouTube and Twitch and all that stuff like that, they try to bring on on-air personalities that will relate to the audience today. So they got in a lot of Twitch streamers, YouTube, you know, personalities to, you know, communicate and, you know, make the current generation feel comfortable. Like these are the people that I know that I've already watched and follow and all that stuff. But to create a scripted program or scripted programming in today's environment is tough. Now you got YouTube with so many different videos, so many different personalities, so many different channels covering so many different topics every day. Then you got Twitch, same situation. You got all these Twitch streamers that on a daily basis, sometimes even multiple times during the day, covering all of these news items, all of this stuff. You know, how will a network like this survive and make a difference? And it looks like they weren't able to. 
Now, don't get me wrong. It was a brilliant idea, I think. Maybe execution was piss poor. But I'll tell you, no matter how much excited I was, maybe with the exception of watching one or two Adam Sessler reviews, I did not watch one single minute of G4. And I asked a question to all of you watching. How many of you watched any of it? I bet you not a lot of you. Me personally, I think I am no longer the age demo for a network like that because they brought on all these personalities that I have no idea who they are. You know, so it was hard for me to relate to that. You know, Adam, I knew Adam for a long time because of his, you know, again, G4 back in the day and all that stuff. And he remained the same Adam Sessler whenever he did his reviews. And that was refreshing. But that's it. You know, I, I feel like I could not relate to a lot of these other people. And they, they even brought in WWE personalities and all that stuff like that. Who, I, from time to time, you know, I do watch WrestleMania. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that dude. You know, the guy from New Day and everything. You know, and then, of course, there's like controversy that, you know, about certain things that were said you know, how a lot of the female um, presenters and, and, and on-air personalities were getting so much shit and crap from the audience and how there was some, like, backlash from a lot of the statements made during that time and all that. Look, in this environment, if you piss off your audience or you do something that the audience doesn't like, then that's pretty much the death knell for a lot of you, a lot of things, Right. Um, I don't know exact details of what happened. I've seen like maybe, you know, a video of the, the rant that was done on air and everything, which I kind of agree with, to be honest with you. But again, this is a different, different environment now. You know, people act really quickly. And now with Twitter and social media and all that stuff like that, everyone can put a spin on something negative, positive, what have you. So I think you add all those things together and it was just something that was inevitable to happen. So it's unfortunate, but I, like I said, a network like this with now so much access to so many different types of content is, it's going to be very difficult to replicate, you know, replicate the glory that it was like back in the day. But I am curious. If any of you ever watched it, if uh, if you did, are you going to miss it? Was it something that you watched religiously or was it something that, oh, from time to time I'll tune in and see what's going on? Um, now, obviously, a lot of these personalities like Gina Darling and, again, I'm just cherry picking names that I kind of came across during the time. You, they have already their own following online and they do Twitch streams and YouTube stuff. So the, the people who watch G4 programming for them, they have a, an outlet to still go to, right? So it's not like it's going to be a huge loss. Um, but I will say kudos to Comcast to to trying this, to attempting to bring this back. I just think it it's a little, it's just too late. And maybe maybe if they executed things a little differently, I don't know. Um, things could would be better, but to 
to kind of resurrect something almost identically to how it was back in the day in this new environment, uh, it just wasn't going to work. Like I said, I was hyped and excited, but it was because of nostalgic reasons. You know, I'm like, oh, I remember. And again, I thought a lot of these personalities that were attached to the original G4 were coming back and they didn't. They were there for that reunion special and that was it. So it was just a little unfortunate. But yeah, definitely interested to hear your thoughts on uh, G4 and the now demise part two of G4 TV. All right, hey everybody, are you a fan of collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, and all that stuff like that? Do me a favor and visit entertainmentearth.com and you won't be sorry. Entertainment Earth is the premier place online for the latest and greatest toys, the most exciting action figures, and the coolest gifts and collectibles pop culture has to offer. From television, movies, sports, celebrities, comics, internet memes, and every fandom in between, they drop new products daily and curate their selection so that you don't miss out. Whether you're looking for something stellar from a galaxy far, far away with Star Wars, or from the streets of Gotham City with DC Comics, they've got surprises for everyone. Get access to exclusive releases and limited run pre-orders. You can even reserve hard-to-find items before they arrive. From Funko to Hasbro, all your favorite vendors are represented in their robust catalog of cool collectibles. Take advantage of their unparalleled industry expertise and make your collection as worthy as Marvel's Thor. They are pleased to offer risk-free shopping with their industry-leading mint condition guarantee and hassle-free 90-day returns. Find that grail you're seeking for yourself or someone you love. And because I know how special they are and how they're going to be great for a lot of you out there, I worked a special deal with them that if you check out the link featured in the description of this episode, you will get 10% off plus free shipping over orders of $40 or more. I mean, that is fantastic, don't you think? Now, the 10% discount is only good for uh, in-stock merchandise, so it doesn't work for any pre-orders, but if you take a look at their site, there's going to be a lot of stuff they have in stock that you'll probably want to get. So again, visit that special link in the description of this episode to take advantage of this awesome 10% offer plus free shipping and buy yourself or a loved one something really cool. Entertainment Earth, so many toys, so much fun. Let's get into some um, TV talk now. Uh, and let's start off with She-Hulk. So uh, if you are familiar with my channel, I covered She-Hulk when it first came out. I think I reviewed the first two or three episodes um, because I was excited when this uh, series was coming out. Um, you know, I was really interested to see how they were going to handle the character, especially knowing how the character was in the comic books, you know, breaking the fourth wall, very comedic, um, you know, very different from the Bruce Banner Hulk that we got originally and how this character would interact with the Marvel Universe. So I was very, very curious and interested to hear or and see how they were going to handle this character. The first two episodes I thought were brilliantly written. You know, it had enough balance of that comedy and some seriousness to it. Um, the dialogue was very smart, uh, very, very clever writing. Loved the way she broke the fourth wall. Um, and I love like the the chemistry with a lot of the, the characters there. Tatiana Maslany is phenomenal in this role. Uh, I think if it wasn't for her, this show would probably be not that fun to watch, not that great. 
Um, and then you had, you know, her supporting cast there, like Ginger Gonzaga. I thought she was so funny and brilliant. Um, you know, Josh Segarra, I thought was great. The chemistry she had with Mark Ruffalo, you know, them being cousins and all that, thought was great. Interactions with Tim Roth was amazing. You know, I love the introduction of Renee Elise Goldsberry as Amelia, the other uh, rival kind of uh, lawyer that, you know, Mark Lynn Baker as her dad. Uh, I thought the family dynamic was great. Could have used more of that, I think. Um, Benedict Wong from time to time. You know, again, this this show had a lot of great cast and cameos and all that. Then I found out as the show kept going, that this was not a show for me for multiple reasons. One mainly is that I don't like sitcoms. I stopped watching sitcoms probably in the 90s, you know, because it just was no longer my speed. It was no longer my humor. Um, you know, back in the day, I used to love watching Cheers and, and all that stuff. And I think the last sitcom I actually really watched, which I enjoyed, was The Office. But there is a reason why I stopped watching this because uh, the comedy and the humor was just no longer for me. The kind of week-to-week kind of nonsensical subjects and topics and, and sometimes there's no continuation. It's just kind of like, oh, this is the, the topic of the week. And then next week, it's as if all that stuff didn't really happen. Move on to something new, right? And that's what this show did brilliantly. It was able to do that. And they knew they were doing that. And in a way, I felt like they knew they were going to piss people off because they would address it. The minute you had her saying, yeah, this week is going to be a wedding episode. Buckle up, you know, or whatever the case is. Or this week, I'm going to get my driver's license. You know, it's like it's like they were talking to people like me or talking to all the trolls out there on Twitter that, yeah, you're getting this and that's all you're getting. You know, tough shit. I thought a lot of that stuff was smart and brilliant and clever. The introduction of the the Madison character, oh my God. I didn't think I would like that, but it had me dying for sure. You know, and her little chemistry she had with with uh, Wong, you know, really funny. The way she spoiled Sopranos and how they were just watching TV together. You know, her little drunken ways and all that stuff like that. Funny. But a lot of the show was just, I guess, goofy for me. And I'm already having a problem with the MCU because a lot of their stuff has been trending more towards that way, especially in the movie department. Thor, Love, and Thunder, I hated. I watched it the first time, and I was like, what the hell's happening? Then I even gave it a second shot, and I hated it even more. You know, before that, um, I, I forget what the movie was that came up before that. But I felt like a lot of the humor in the MCU is is overbearing now. It's getting to the point where it's just a little bit too much. Too much ha ha ha, you know. Now, when it comes to the TV, shows like Miss Marvel had a pretty decent balance. But it, it was also geared to a younger audience, a younger generation. Hawkeye, I'm biased because I love Hawkeye as a as a character. I thought had pretty decent balance, 
But then, of course, there were some things that were a little bit over the top, right? But just in general, the, the MCU humor has been just way too much. And this definitely didn't shy away from that. Now, there are certain episodes that had really good balance. You know, the episode where she's really finally trying to learn how to accept herself as both Jennifer and She-Hulk, I thought was great. But then back to the goofy stuff, right? Um, There was no real threat all throughout, except for Intelligentsia, right? And Todd, who at the end, you know, became kind of like a, a laughable throwaway character. Right. The whole thing about them trying to like get her blood and everything like that, like that episode where she's like hooking up with that dude she met at the wedding, I thought was so good and ended so tragically. But then they never followed up properly with it. You know, like, well, what happened to that dude? You know. And then you get to a goofy part with the frog dude, you know, and then her like, you know, going to. Luke, the designer, and, and like accusing him of all this stuff without really doing her due diligence of investigation and all that stuff. And then she, I love how, okay, when Daredevil showed up, I thought that was great. She got to learn a lot of stuff um, from him. And, you know, especially as they're fighting and they're bantering all lawyers, like, speak and all that stuff. Like, I thought that was really smart and intelligent. And I think the chemistry she had with Charlie Cox was great. But... This was definitely a more lighthearted show. And I think people have to realize that, that they really have to look at this as a comic book. Because comic books have their serious uh, issues and serious series, and then they have more of your goofy parody series. And She-Hulk was definitely that. And I think the one problem with this is that this was so close in adaptation when it comes in comparison to the comic book that I think it threw a lot of people off, and they weren't expecting it. But it also goes to the people who would troll and say, like, well, this is not like how it was in the comic books. Well, now you got it. And these are the same people who are probably complaining that it's too goofy or you know, it, it doesn't make sense. It's too lighthearted and blah, 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 blah. You know, so it, it's... But it captured the right audience who loves the sitcom format, who maybe are not so invested in the comic book, or maybe those who are, and they really loved how this show adapted to that. You know, the more casual Marvel viewer when it comes to the movies and when it comes to the programming, the shows, I think they were able to capture that essence that they knew that this was going to gel with that audience. And it did really well, especially with the female demographic. Most of the people I know who love the show are females. And I think it really caters to that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's great. It's brilliant. And I love that, again, the Marvel Universe MCU is getting eyes on more and more people as they broaden their their demographic and, and audience and all that stuff. But it just wasn't for me at the end of the day. I still watched it and I enjoyed it, you know, but it's not something that I would probably see myself go back and watch it again. I don't even know what they're going to do with this character, to be honest with you. Is she going to be one of those things where she's going to pop in every now and then? 
you know, or are they going to tie her to a specific Avengers team? Because I think at this point, it's safe to say that there's going to be multiple Avengers teams in the future. Um, it'll be really, will she pop up in the new Daredevil series? Maybe, depending on the tone they're trying to achieve. You know, it, it's again, the reason why I say you look at this as a comic is because when you have your more lighthearted parody type comic runs, <clears throat> you will get appearances from like Thor, Spider-Man, Wolverine, all that kind of stuff like that. But it's more of like a, you know, lighthearted comedy thing where, you know, maybe they get joked on, maybe they tell jokes, maybe they find themselves in goofy situations and all that stuff, wondering why they're here. And that's just how the comic books are. That's how, and, and this really does a good job at that. Now, the last episode was brilliant and clever in the writing. The fact that she had she was able to write her own narrative and write her own ending, you know, that she the, the fourth wall breaking was so different and something we haven't seen before. The way that she kind of, you know, busted through and walked her way through the Disney Plus menu, you know, the way that she addressed you and me and how she like got into, you know, the studios and got into the writer's room. And how you had the real writer there and a fake writer there, but they were all talking and like praising Kevin Feige. And of course, the introduction of the Kevin robot, the AI, K-E-V-I-N. They even gave him a little hat and all that stuff and how his kind of algorithm will spew out storylines and movies and TV shows and all that stuff. And how she was able to kind of like, you know, mess around with him, ask about the X-Men you know, the joke about smashing Matt Murdock and Daredevil, I thought was hilarious. But then the execution after that was just ridiculous, you know, and I'm glad they kind of did this, too, because, again, it's like one of those like cliche moments where everyone starts to show up at the end and it becomes this big battle for no particular reason. And of course, Todd, the only way that she, he's going to combat is like he turns himself into Hulk. It's like so cliche. We've seen it so many times before. So I loved how she was like, nope, not going to happen this time. But it would have been great if she was able to change the narrative, give her suggestions, and then you kind of do a quick rewind and then play the episode fresh with those things in mind. Instead of just like going back and just saying, all right, well, Todd is now arrested. Daredevil is here. You're a little too late, but hang out. I want to smash you, uh, introduce you to the family, uh, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Oh, by the way, the Hulk shows up. Oh, here's my son, Scar, which is great. Great that we're that they're still expanding on the Hulk storyline. And that's going to come into play. I don't know how, but it's an interesting tie into like Planet, Planet Hulk, World War Hulk, all that kind of stuff like that. Are we going to see a movie, a show? Who knows? I have a feeling it's going to be a while since we learn about that introduction to his son which in the comics was kind of like a sad story too, um, but really interesting. It, it's funny how now a lot of Marvel characters have children now. You know, we knew Tony has a daughter. You know, Thor has a daughter now. Hulk has a son now. You know, who's next, right? Everyone has kids. Well, of course, we knew Hawkeye has kids. You know, it's, it's just really, really interesting how everyone has families. And, and again, these kids... Uh, are the future generation of the Avengers eventually. It's 
especially if you follow the comic books and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was a cute show. Yeah, nothing that was like so strong for me. Also, what was the deal with like they had all these post credit scenes earlier in the in the season and then they just gave up on them? What happened there? Like that's something that I found really really fascinating and it's interesting and I was like, what happened? Because I thought a lot of those post credit scenes were a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, like I said, there were some good stuff that came out personally for me. And then there were some things that just didn't make sense. And it's one of the reasons why I stopped going episode to episode reviewing each one. Because I just, it lost me. It honestly lost me. I still watched it, but I didn't have that desire and need to talk about the series every week. That's why I was like, I said to myself, I'm going to wait till the series is over. Watch it. Watch the last episode and then give my thoughts on the whole season, uh, series and season as a whole. Now, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a season two. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how they're gonna, how that's going to move forward. Um, also, again, and I, I know I'm ranting here. Jamila Jamil, Titania, showed up like like small, like maybe twice, three times. Had one episode where they had a conflict. And that was like the wedding or the one about, oh, the episode where the trademark was being discussed of her name and then that's it what's her main purpose now i'm not so 100 familiar with the comic books and like her kind of rogues gallery but what was the whole purpose behind all that or her as a character like i felt she was just there just to you know give jennifer shit and have her have a difficult time as she hulk i don't know and then, of course, the big, big post-credit thing. Finally, we get a post-credit scene after the last episode is Wong once again showing up to grab Abomination and so that they could go somewhere. You know, I don't know personally what that tie could be for you out there listening and watching. If you have your thoughts and theories on what's going to happen there with that relationship, let me know in the comments. Let us all know in the comments. I don't know. I felt like that was somewhat out of left field for me. You know, especially since we already had that kind of interaction in the season, you know, tying it to Shang-Chi because we saw, you know, them fighting in, you know, the octagon and the underground fighting ring and all that in Shang-Chi. So I was like, all right, well, that explains what why that was happening. And, you know, I love how they tie that together. But then again, what's going to happen now with that duo? I don't know. You know, the Wong universe. Wong is showing up everywhere now, which is really funny. But yeah, let me know in the comments what you thought of the series. Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Were, or are you like me? Were there some things that you really liked and other things you're like, oh my God, what's happening there? You know, I'm very, very curious to know all your thoughts and, and uh, let me know in the comments and all that. Obviously, as I was doing my episodic reviews in the beginning... Most of the people on the channel really didn't give a shit because not a lot of people were watching them. Um, I know some of you were because um, you reached out to me separately about it and all that. But yeah, let me know what your thoughts were on She-Hulk as a whole in the comments and all that. Moving on. Moving on. So let's talk about this Rings of Power. This is a show that I think, 
unfortunately, came out at a bad time. Why do I say that? Because it's competing with House of the Dragon, which right now is killing it. And I love it. I, I, I love House of the Dragon. Next episode, I will talk more about it because that will be right after the season finale. But right now, though it was going head-to-head with that series, and I think it was one too many fantasy shows. Now, of course, each show is different fantasy-wise. You had House of the Dragon, which focused a lot of on the more like the political side of things, while Rings of Power was a more traditional fantasy storyline. If you are a huge fan of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies, then this puts you right back into that same tone and feel of it all. The fact that they spent so much money, that Amazon spent so much money on this series, I don't even know ratings-wise how it was doing week to week. But this could be one of those things where when House of the Dragon is over, people will probably now give this more of a shot. But week to week, I think not a lot of people were watching it because they were just so focused and waiting for House of the Dragon to come out. But every episode, you could see where this money was going. I mean, it looked cinematic. Every episode was very cinematic. But the beginning was kind of slow. You know, I, I think a lot of people have said that. But as the series kept going, it was more interesting. Definitely when there were like the action scenes, that's when stuff really picked up and I really enjoyed those those episodes. But this, I feel like the entire season was really purely a buildup. Because again, this is a prequel series. goes back to, uh, I believe, the second age of Middle-Earth's history. It was the the... This is a series of origins, which I kind of appreciated as a more casual Lord of the Rings fan. I didn't read any of the books. Well, that's not true. I read The Hobbit and I read Fellowship. That's it. So if you're looking to hear thoughts from someone who is so familiar with the source material, there are so many other YouTube channels out there and videos that you can watch. But if you're a casual person like me, Let's have a discussion. Let's talk about it because I love the movies. I was so diehard into the movies. I watched them all in the theaters. I've even watched the extended versions in the, in the theaters. I did an extended version marathon that led into the release of the third and final movie in the trilogy. The Hobbit, meh, give or take. It, it was okay. But the original Lord of the Rings, I was fascinated and obsessed with so of course i have a spot in my heart for it i like this series because there was a lot of origins building a lot of origin you know beginnings we got to see a galadriel that we never get to see you know it she seems to come across more tough and, and fierce in this one than than very passive or sullen in the movies Right. But I'm sure there's very much reason why that is, as we are slowly starting to learn in this series, especially with how the series ended. We get to see more of her relationship with Elrond in the beginning, the relationship with Elrond and uh, Endurin, I thought was so good. 
You know, again, it gives us a glimpse of how the relationship between the elves and the dwarves were back in the day and why when we pick things up in the movies, why it's so tense between the two races. Kazadun. We got to see a Kazadun that was lively, flourishing, instead of the ruins that we saw in the movies. I thought that was brilliant. You know, of course, we get a little hint of the Balrog in one of the episodes, which, which you know, they kind of like shown and then they kind of forgot maybe to be left for a future episode in maybe season two. The, the the find the finding of mithril for the very first time you know and how this is a new element that people they they don't even know about you know i thought that was a lot it was so interesting to to see that play out you know and then of course with the series ending with the building and forging of the three elvish rings elven rings you know and then we of course know in if you didn't know the ending song definitely played it out for you, you know. And again, it's the same thing that we learn in the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, that the dwarves will have their set of rings and the humans will have their set of rings. And of course, Sauron will have his. And then we got the reveal that Halbrand is not the king of the men of the south, but is indeed Sauron incarnate himself. Sexy Sauron. That's what everyone's talking about on the internet now. Sexy Sauron as his hair's flowing and he's walking over towards Mordor. The freaking creation in, of Mordor itself, I thought was so fun to see. You know, there's a lot of things about this series that I thought was fun. The This wizard, you know, as... We everyone kept speculating that is this Gandalf? Is this Gandalf? And I think we finally got the answer that this uh, probably is Gandalf because of one piece of dialogue that he said about follow your nose, you know, which mimics exactly what he said to Mary in the movies. So Gandalf, you know, we get to see why he has such an affinity for hobbits, even though the Harfoots were so painful to watch a lot of the time, you know, but hobbits serve their purpose just like in the movies. You know, the littlest of things can make a big impact, right? So we get to see a lot of that. So it's, you know, and then, of course, we get to see the the early beginnings of Isildur, right? And his father and that family there. Because we all know Isildur is the one who eventually, you know, gets taken over by that ring of power, Sauron's ring. Defeats Sauron and then gets, you know, inundated with the evil of Sauron within him. So it was just interesting to see a lot of the origin building of the things that we are already familiar with. Now, my only problem is that word on the street is that we ain't going to get a season two for another two or three years. That's way too freaking long, man. You expect people to wait that long for a second season? Especially for a series that was kind of meh for a lot of people. I mean, we'll see what happens there. And what is the budget going to be this time? There's no way they're going to be able to... Well, the rights played into the budget for season one. 
That's why we got close to the 1 billion mark. But they can't be spending as much money as they did if the reception was not as great. Again, I don't have access to the ratings and all that stuff like that, but it will be very, very interesting, and I'll be very curious to see what's going to happen when season two goes into production and how they're going to handle it. But I enjoyed it for a series, for a fantasy series. And again, for someone who was a lover of the movies, I personally enjoyed it. The soundtrack, the look, everything had the same tone that really put me back into that Middle Earth setting. And again, the origin building that helped me realize and understand how things started before the events of Lord of the Rings. So I personally enjoyed it, you know. But I am very curious as to what a lot of you feel about the movie. You look at it online, um, you know, Rotten Tomatoes has it like at about an 82nd, uh, like an 82%. You know, 69% of Google users like the show. So I'm very, very curious what a lot of you out there think about it. I have not had a chance to review any of the episodes week to week as they were releasing. I was kind of just like, let me watch this for myself and then when this the season comes to an end, then I'll talk about it, you know. Um, and then I, I'm just very, very curious as to what a lot of you out there think and how you felt about it. Did you watch it? Maybe you watched a couple of episodes, you decided to stop for a bit, and then maybe you'll go back to it. Or maybe you decided that you don't want to go back to it, you know. Or maybe you haven't watched it at all yet. Will you give it a shot? I say you should, you know, especially if you're a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. I think this is the type of series that you would be, it would be very easy for you to get back to get into for because of your love of the movies. Because it really plays very well for for something that wasn't that didn't have Peter Jackson written anywhere on it. It really really did feel like they were taking a lot of cues from the movies. And the tone and 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 everything really felt just like how the movies felt. So very, very, very interested and curious to hear what you all think about that. Again, maybe you, none of you watched it. Maybe I'm the only one. But I definitely want to know for, for sure what all of you think. So with that being said, look, by, I'm taping this on a Tuesday. And, and every week this, uh, this, this show, this program will, will air on Tuesdays because it's Talking Talk Tuesdays. Um, I'm so excited about Andor. And I feel like not enough people are talking about Andor. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk more about Andor because uh, Andor just completed its second arc. Uh, so the way that they're doing it is that every three episodes is a specific arc. First three was more about Andor, you know, learning more about him seeing how he got connected to the rebellion act act two this or, or i should say the second arc dealt with this big important mission that shows how andor starts to somewhat be committed to the cause and how the you know the cause first really started so or you get to see the dynamic between the rebel side and the empire you know, because again, the rebellion was not really fully defined yet. Now we get it seen. Now we get to see it fully defined in this second arc. 
and the writing of this series. Oof. Wow. The best Star Wars writing, I think. Don't get me wrong. I love Mandalorian. I still think The Mandalorian is a great show. And depending on the week you ask me, Mandalorian is probably still my favorite Star Wars TV show. Or, P or, or Star Wars content that is out. But Andor is a very, very close second right now. It is the more mature adult Star Wars story that I've been waiting for for a very, very long time. And every episode has just been great. The character building has been great. The fact that, again, uh, Tony Gilroy, uh, who is the, the showrunner, director, writer, and I believe he's writing this with his brother, um, Barry handles things very well because this is a well you know, established movie maker, movie writer, director. And it shows the way that they're treating each arc, building it up and then hitting you within the third part of the arc, you know, the payout. Instead of building for six, seven, eight episodes and then having this big payout, but then having it fall flat, you're getting your kind of big payout earlier on and more often. You know, you get to feel more for the characters as they're, they're building them up and as the big thing happens at the end of the arc. So good. It is just so good. And I really, I've been wanting to talk about Ando for a while now. Obviously, I have not had a chance to. But again, this episode, this program will allow me to talk more about stuff like that. Now, obviously, it's not going to come out immediately after the new episode is aired. But it, at least it'll come out right before the new one is aired. So it gives us a nice chance to recap on what we saw previously and everything. But that last episode of Andor, whoo, that was a blast. I mean, the way that we finally get after the two episodes of them planning and plotting this heist, right? The character building, the chemistry interactions, and then to see it all like fully play out. And then the big twist that happened, you know. Oh my God. I I just couldn't. It it was just such good writing, such good writing. Um. Hold on, I just want to pull up the the Andor cast right now because there are so many people who are doing such brilliant work. I mean, of course, Diego Luna is just brilliant. Um. And Stellan Skarsgård as Luthen. I mean, the fact that the, the way that how in the very beginning we thought he was just some, you know, contractor, you know, someone looking to steal things from the Empire. But then to see how a prominent figure he is on Coruscant, he's an art gallery owner and an artifacts dealer and how he has close ties with Mon Mothma, right? Secretly talking about rebelling on the, on the side and all that. I love that chemistry and that reveal. And and of course, Mon Mothma, the, the, the relationship she has with her husband, who is kind of like your, <clears throat> like a housewife, you know, who, who's a socialite and wants to like have, you know, ties and, 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 and social activities with all of these parts of like the government that she doesn't even want to be involved with. Um, it's just so, so good. But the real 
twist that happened in in this recent episode between you know Andor and Skeen. The fact that Skeen turned after the heist, you know, and was trying to convince Andor to, hey, we got all this money now. Let's just split it amongst us two and let's get the fuck out of here. And how you saw Andor is loyal, man. Like he has he has a moral code that he follows. And once he he has it set out there, that's all he cares about until the job is done. And then he's he and then he does what he has to do. You know, and I love his shoot first mentality. You know, he's like Han Solo, or that's the way Han Solo should have been. Shoot first. End the conflict early before it gets worse. And that's just ooh, scoundrel. You know? We saw that in Rogue One, right? When he when he killed that informant. I was like, man, that dude is dirty. And then like in the first arc. He kills someone, but that was accidental, and you you saw how he hated it, right? But then he he, he changed because he realized that the longer you prolong something something or you let someone get away, that could be costly in the end. Shoot first, bam! This guy's turning; he's gonna be bad. Boom! Put an end to him. I just want what's mine. Let me get the hell out of here. I I did what I did. I did what I promised. Peace out. You know? That escape too with um, the young kid, you know, getting hurt, but still doing his best to give the navigation, you know, as they're trying to escape the TIE fighters with, you know, the natural phenomenon that's happening. And then unfortunately him dying at the end. Oh, but it made you feel for it. You didn't want that to happen. But it's just such good writing, such, such good writing. And I love seeing this side of Star Wars. Because the way I describe this this series to a lot of people is imagine a political thriller slash espionage thriller in a, in a series, in a program set within the Star Wars universe. But which each episode it may not feel that way because you don't you're not dealing with lightsabers. Darth Vader, the Luke's, the Skywalkers, they're not involved in any of this stuff. Now, you do get your pew pew moments, right? But they're few and far in between. And of course you get your tie fighters and all that stuff like that. Now, and you'll get your, you know, your your characters that you are familiar with like like I said, Mon Mothma, all that stuff. Saul Gurrer, I'm sure we should be coming up any moment now. But other than that, it's not Star Wars. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. But at the same time, it very much is Star Wars, if that makes any sense. And it's just fantastic. I'm loving this series. I'm loving this series. And more people should be talking about it. More people should be watching it. So, yeah, we'll talk more about Andor um, now that, um, you know, this will be a regular program. And next week, uh, we'll be talking about House of Dragon and Andor because those are the, the two shows that are still happening and that are airing live. Um, and then eventually we'll talk about, uh, go backwards. Uh, I want to talk about Cobra Kai and, and the Sandman. And my gripe with having Netflix release all of these episodes all at once is because people will talk about it for the first week and then leave it alone. 
these are th programs that people should be talking about for a while. And it's a shame that not a lot of people are doing that, you know, and that's why I love this week to week release schedule, because again, it gives me a chance to really catch up and then have a chance to really talk about it and dissect it and ingest what just happened instead of binging things and, 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 you know, doing so to prevent spoilers from happening, especially doing what I do, because obviously I'm online a lot and, and things happen, right? So excited to talk more about that stuff with all of you out there. Let me know, are you loving Andor? Again, I want to hear more about it. I want to hear people talk about it. I want to hear your thoughts and everything like that. Um, so maybe we can talk more about it next week. But this is the end of this week's episode of Talking Talk. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Really appreciate the support and love for this channel as a whole. Really love growing the community there. Again, for future episodes, be sure write in in the comments or uh, let me know on Twitter. You can see the handles on the screen up there or on uh, Instagram. What topics you want me to talk about every week? Uh, what news items do you want me to address? Give my spin and thoughts on it. Is there maybe a TV show you want me to watch and talk about on a weekly basis? Let me know. Of course, I'll consider all that stuff and I want to be able to answer all your questions and interact and engage with all of you out there in the community because that is what makes this you know channel run and this is why i do it so that we can have these discussions and we can have fun so make sure comment comment comments that's the most important thing to do there um if you haven't done so already like subscribe all that good youtube stuff audio listeners find the low-key geek channel on your podcast platform of choice download this episode and so much more if it asks you and prompts you leave a great rating Thank you again so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay cool, stay classy, stay safe. Catch y'all next week. All right, y'all. Peace out. Bye.